a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Girl, everyone knows that story. Hello, and welcome to the Women of Star Wars podcast, the Star Wars fan cast where we take a deep dive and feminist look at the female characters, contributors, and creators of the Star Wars universe. I'm your host, Sarah Sindula. Thanks for listening. A quick editorial note before we get started today. I misspoke twice during today's podcast. The space whales that I reference as being in the Clone Wars did not appear in the Clone Wars, but in Star Wars Rebels, as well as in The Mandalorian. And secondly, the title of the film is not The Spy Who Shagged Me. That's an Austin Powers film. The film that I was referring to is The Spy Who Dumped Me, starring Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Women in Star Wars, the podcast where we take a deep dive and a feminist look at all of the female characters, contributors, and creators in the Star Wars universe. Today, I am joined by the fabulous Dr. Amanda Igloff, PhD. Am I saying your last name right? It's Quintero. Oh, it's Quintero. That's right. You changed after you got married. I'm such a bad person. Okay. So Dr. Amanda Quintero, PhD. (laughs) Thank you for correcting me. I'm going to change it on my notes. Okay. Um, And I met Amanda a couple of years ago. We joined a local Star Wars group here. in A few years ago. A few years ago. During COVID, actually. Yeah, we met met right during during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, Like in March of 20, no, April of 2020. Yeah, it was April. I have a picture of us in front of the uh, Conservatory of Flowers. Yes. um, that was the first time yeah. we met in person. That was the first time we met. Social distance in a <laughs> yeah, mask. Yeah, it was really fun, though. It was great to yeah. meet hung out many times since then. And since then, Amanda has um, received a PhD from the University of California, San Francisco. She's an incredible practitioner um, of her craft, and I'll let her talk about that in a second. She's also been a veteran for the U.S. Navy. Um, she is... Really into Star Wars, her favorite characters are 2D2. She has a tattoo of the rebel symbol on the back of her neck. Um, and in addition to all also just being like an incredible mm. badass and a human being that I just adore, she is mm. also a wife and a mother. Um, and uh, Amanda, do you want to add anything about your amazing self? I'm Sarah's friend. <laughs> you forgot that. Yeah, that's um, true. We're friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Um, all right, so we're going to run through some segments real quick. Uh, tell me okay. in 60 seconds, what is your current non-Star Wars obsession? current non-Star Wars obsession is Pixar's Elemental. I recently purchased it and watched it. We got it because I have a 17-month-old. And, you know, we just, when she's around and we watch movies, we'll put on something animated. Anyway, I needed something new because I don't want to watch Soul for the 5,000th time. So... <laughs> We get it, and I watch it, and I'm like, no, nah, this is okay. I can't. And then I'm like, I need to sit down and like watch the whole thing. So after we put her down one night, I sit down and I am just falling, getting swept away by this romantic comedy by Pixar. Like it was just a beautiful story, um, visually to look at, and the the romance between you know what if fire and water could fall in love and what that meant so it's just beautiful so that's my current obsession i listen to the score the thomas newman score when i'm at work doing data analysis which um so i i work for a hospital in marin health doing i guess i could say um i take care of the core measures and so it's kind of a nursing nerdy uh work where I'm able to use my clinical skills, evaluate quality measurements. Yeah. And I just got to brag. It was like a 20% positive change since you've started doing this oh, kind of work. Is that, yeah. is that I it? Want, I actually don't want to talk about that in the podcast. No, no, no. I just, but... no, no, I just want to shout out 20%. Okay. Right. Moving on. <laughs> um, do you want to do what your Star Wars story is? You don't have to if you don't want to. Oh, my Star Wars thing is, so as a kid, I... I had a little bit of a chaotic childhood, and one thing that I remember as 
a safe space for me was I had this Star Wars, I had this R2-D2 and 3PO tent, and I would put it on my bed, and that's what I would sleep on. Um, and it just was like this little safe space for me to go to, and I had R2-D2 pajamas, and I just kind of, as a kid, I just, I don't know why I love Star Wars. I didn't, I don't think I even understood the story. I just liked looking at the droids and the robots and that it being being swept away into this other universe that wasn't, you know, here. Um, so very early young escapism. So that was, yeah. yeah. I need to find one of those tents because that was a big deal for me. And I, I never looked, but yeah, it was a pop-up uh, droid tent. So it looked like stars on the outside and then you had R2-D2 and 3PO, like a mural on the outside. Very cool. Yeah, when you find a picture of it, let me know because I want to know what that looks like. I remember those yeah. like pop up tents, and some of my friends had them, and I loved sleepovers where we got to sleep in a tent in the room yeah. or in the back. Yeah. I mean, and I didn't think of anything of it wrong as a kid because I thought you know cartoons, movies, but n- later people would be like, "That's odd that a little girl with Star Wars." And now I'm like, "Thank God, I my parents didn't think anything of it." You know, yeah. like. Yeah, you're lucky. They're so I, dealing with their own stuff. So, so like, it was, but I remember like, three PO was my favorite action figure. I just remember how shiny he was and just staring yeah. at him, like, yeah, <gasps> he's so Very pretty. Cool. So since R two D two is your favorite character, I have some trivia questions for you. Let's do it. All right, question number one: Who is the actor that wore the R two D two suit in the Star Wars films? Oh my god! It's not it's not Warwick Davis. No. It's what's oh my god, I don't know his name. Kenny Kenny something. Yes, Kenny Baker. Um, Kenny Baker. Okay. I almost said Kenny Rogers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> Go on. Got his little rotisserie chicken Kenny. in there. <laughs> like Yeah. Um okay. Question number two. How tall is R2 D2? What? Uh, two feet, two and a half feet. Three point one five feet. Oh my gosh! Okay. Or point nine six meters for our metric. That's system. actually taller than I thought. Yeah, I was surprised by that too. You know, I was like, because oh. I'm like five four, so I would ex- I wouldn't expect him to come up almost over halfway of me. That's actually yeah. a lot taller than I thought. That's yeah, cool. I'm like, oh, Anthony Daniels is quite tall. <laughs> right. Um. Okay. What is the name of the monster that ate and then spit out R2 on the planet Dagobah? Oh my god. I do not know what the name of the monster is. The dragon snake. The dragon snake? Yeah, I didn't know that oh. either. When I looked that up, I was like, oh, that's not a very imaginative That's a very name. not <laughs> Star Wars name. The dragon snake. Yeah, I'm like, what is that? Like 1940s There's so many creatures with crazy names and the dragon snake spit out R2. Um, how many times has R2-D2 been to Dagobah? Twice. Close. Three times. Oh! <laughs> Twice oh. Uh, with Luke and then once with Yoda during when, the Clone Wars. With Yoda during the Clone Wars. Oh. Uh, okay, and just so you know, okay. R2-D2, uh, not including hostage situations or being taken prisoner, R2-D2 had six owners. So, Oh my Am- god. Queen Amidala, Anakin Skywalker, uh-huh. Bail Organa, Leia Organa, Luke Skywalker, and then Rey. So crazy. Wow, he's seen a lot. He has. and You know, it, that, that's part of what I, my favorite thing about him is, if R2 could tell a story, it'd probably be a lot of profanity. <laughs> You know, like, yeah. the personality of what we don't know. There's so much, like, he's this kind of naughty, funny, quirky keeper of all yeah, secrets. He's, he's, like, a very cheeky librarian. Yeah. Like, of all your secrets. and Yeah, like, he would he would roll by me studying and give me a wink and keep yeah. going. <laughs> but just, like, I am all-knowing, but I'm here. I see you. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's just the vibe of R2 is very... Um, I don't know, that's cool that he's had six owners. I didn't yeah. realize that. And the But and I don't he, like that they're called owners. I like the things like are either. And free. I was like, is it owners? Is it masters? Is it like main person? Like, I don't know. Because uh, I would also be curious to hear if somebody wrote a book, you know how they have those books from a certain point of view? 
that tell mm-hmm. different angles from the Star Wars or this different stories from different perspectives. I'd love yeah. to hear one about R2. You oh know, yeah. Like you could it, do yeah, yeah, six seasons of his story based off of mm-hmm. his time with a master. Like it's a way you could slice yeah. that out. That would be a cool way to tell the R2 story. Yeah. And he and he like can make decisions for himself. Mm-hmm. He doesn't always just like you know, there's some thinking happening. So I don't know. It'd be, I'd be, I would watch a series about R2 and each season would be what it was like with the, the masters or whoever yeah. he was working with and what he saw and, um, and kind of how each experience rolls into the next and how like, kind of like how Forrest Gump, if he w- didn't go through this, he wouldn't he have froze. gone through that. But it, uh, Slumdog Millionaire. You know how he goes through these set of experiences and that prepares him for that show? Yeah. In the the whole film? Yeah. That R2-D2 each seat, you know, maybe he has a different experience and it rolls into, like, the next one. And because he had that, he's able to help. Because he had an experience with um, Anakin, it gives him, no, with Padme, it directly, you know, gives him an experience with Rey. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, but things like that hey there friends thanks for tuning in to today's episode i hope that you're enjoying it so far be sure to give us a follow and like on instagram at women of star wars podcast doc want to get star wars books movies and other media for free support your local library where you can check out star wars media as well as use their free wi-fi to browse wikipedia starwars.com or the women of star wars instagram page not near a local branch or just too busy to go in? With most libraries, you can digitally sign up for a library card and gain access to their entire catalog. You can also download Hoopla. Hoopla is the leading all-in-one digital library app with more than 1 million titles from best-selling novels, chart-topping albums, and blockbuster movies to niche, hard-to-find content. Hoopla has something for everyone. Read, listen, and watch 24-7 without ads or late fees for free. Available in Google Play or the App Store. And now back to the show. This series, OMG. Right? I was so excited. I loved it. I was so happy to see so many women. Yes. Most Star Wars, there's like only at a Halloween, there's only one person you can be. So a girl squad, you have to be like, okay, we can't have five Leia's and five Padme's. Yeah. You know, we'll just have to be different versions of Leia's and different Padme's. And I've always been like, that's okay, right? But now there's like, all the main characters are women. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of heavy male presence. Like, we'll get Clancy Brown being in this show. And I feel like I'm missing a lot of backstory because I just saw, after I watched it, I saw um, a thing on, you know, um, what's that? Nerdist had posted about Dave Filoni said you really should watch season four of Rebels. Yeah. And I just, Rebels was so kitty for me. I couldn't get into it. So, but I'm going to have to because I'm like, fuck, I miss so much backstory. I don't know. Like, why does Sabine care about Ezra and them? And he says there's like siblings and there's this cat symbol everywhere. Cat, and yeah. why is the general, the green general, why is she like, well, I'm a general. So like, there's like, it's like I'm coming in at season 12 and I don't know the backstory. And I was told I wouldn't need to because, you know, all the media press about Ahsoka was, it's a standalone. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, over anyone now wanting to watch Star Wars, a lot of people feel very, it can be overwhelming. Like, yeah, where do you jump lot. in? Yeah, there's you a know? lot of source information. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I I feel like season four gets a lot of context to the events leading up to the Ahsoka series to make more sense of things. Uh You want to go along just for the ride to see, like, how everything's unfolds and then go back and get the backstory. You can also do that confession. I have not watched all of season four of Rebels. I tapped out about midway through. (laughs) I tapped out. Yeah, I mean, I unpopular opinion, I don't like Kane and Jarrus. I don't like Kanan Jarrus. He it was okay. uh, Ezra's or master and Hera Syndulla, the green general. He was. Yeah. It's implied that he and Hera like 
are a thing. Um, and I, mm-hmm. and if you remember, did you watch The Bad Batch? No. Okay. So at the very beginning of The Bad Batch, it opens with Kanan Jarrus, whose who's Jedi name was Caleb Doom. Um, it opens with him coming down uh, to like some sort of battle right at the right before Order sixty six. So he watches he watches his master get slaughtered and he escapes Order sixty six. Um, and then we don't really see him again until Rebels. And so he's like on this healing journey that is really hard for me to deal with because he's like stuck in this place of refusing his part in the hero's journey of being like the the hero's call. Like he's actively resisting that consistently. But that's- but that's that's the beautiful part of the hero's journey, though. They have to resist the call, right? That's part yeah, of the formula. Yeah, I feel like he resists it for so long, and Ezra's the one who illuminates oh, that. And I don't feel like he okay. really gets into it until Sabine picks up the dark saber, which you remember from the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And so when she picks up the dark saber and he starts to try to train her, um, that's when I was like, okay, I, I kind of came around to him a little bit more, and it seemed like he was accepting more of his role, but. I don't know his his dynamic with Ezra just like always made my butt ache. I just always annoyed. and yeah. But I did watch the last four episodes of the last season okay. of Rebels. Which if you don't have like time to watch all of Rebels, just watch the last four episodes. Last oh. four episodes in season Beautiful. four. Chef's kiss. Okay, yeah, we'll I watched, do. I watched them the other night and I was like, oh, that's what happened to Thrawn. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm like, who's Thrawn? I'm. He's some really serious bad guy, and I'm then I'm thinking, and then I'm thinking in my head, like trying to do the math, like if these witches from thousands of years ago buried this map, so is he thousands of years old? I, I'm so confused. No, so what he ultimately gets spoiler alert to everyone, but like he ultimately gets sucked into an, uh, another dimension. In uh, season four, there's um, a episode called the world between worlds and it's these portals that allow um people to travel through like space and time really really quickly okay and so really? what i believe happened is tempera or ezra entered the temple this happens in episode four and activates a portal and did you see the clone wars where they had those space whales Mm-mm. okay there was an episode where there were these space whales like hyperspace whales I'm slowly um, realizing I may not be the Star Wars fan I thought I was. Hey, like I've, you are a you are a legit Star Wars fan. You're a legit Star Wars fan. Like don't 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 shame yourself like that. That's and not that's the that's the where you feel I'm starting to feel like there's so much more content now and there's so many side worlds. I'm like I'm so lost. Yeah, there's and, a ton of it, and there's so much that I don't even know. And like I think what's yeah. really great is Star Wars is this this gift that continuously gives us like all these stories and characters to explore. Yeah. 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 So anyways, there's these space whales that Ezra employs to help them. And um, they got sucked through a portal into a different uh, part of time and space. And the Dathomirian witches, um, if you remember Asajj Ventress, she was from the planet Dathomir. Okay. Um, They, if I remember correctly, I think Obi-Wan mentioned that they do kind of like dabble in the dark side, but they're not Sith. They're more interested in like minding their own business. Oh, okay. They're they're not in for the big war. They're just like doing whatever they need for themselves. Yeah. And Darth Maul was one of the Dathomirian males. Okay. And I also love all the women. I was like, Dave Filoni can actually write women really well. Yeah, I was very surprised. Um, very pleased with that. And although the long dramatic pauses in the episode he directed got a little, it kind of irked on me after a minute. I'm like, does everyone have to pause and look dramatically all the time? Like, it's very slow. That was a big, um, that's what I, that's the response I read is that most people felt it was too slow. And I enjoyed watching it, but yeah, I was like, they could have, you know, sped this up a little bit for, because mm-hmm. there was no reason it just dragged the story out. And I think, you know, Will and I were watching it this talk, we watched it like twice. And so we were talking about it as we were watching it saying, like, I think, you know, they didn't, maybe they didn't have enough story and they were trying to stretch it out to be cinematic, but in really? trying too hard to be dramatic, it's like, come on, just give me, tell me, you know, let's go yeah. fast forward. Like it just, it slowed it down. And I do have to wonder if, Part of it is like making sure that there was enough episodes, but also the the audience that grew up with Rebels is kind of like a little older now and maybe wants yeah. a little bit more of a slower burn. 
I don't know. Yeah, it just seems yeah. like and and his storytelling lately has really invested himself in those slow burns. That's true. When you have a animation that's like mm-hmm. very near and dear, I think it's almost a little precious when it goes into live action because then you just really want to cherish it. Is this what I imagine it to be? I mean, I I see that in Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. She looks just like the cartoon. And she is this vibe of wisdom, but still not fully, like, I don't think she's fully there yet with where she's supposed to be. She's still metamorphosing, but she's very, like, carries herself with so much um, gravitas. I don't know what yeah. the word is I'm thinking she's, of. It's- she's definitely a powerful force every time that she's on screen. Um, yeah, and you're and if you didn't know, like for me not to know all the rebels backstory to watch it and have it to be slow, I'm I'm able to kind of look and see the nuance between her and some of the characters like oh there's history here and there's friction or hello. something happened but you know cuz I didn't really know. I knew that her and Sabine Sabine was her apprentice and it didn't work out. And I never understand these ones that don't work out because I think the way of a Jedi is you go to training as a padawan in the temple and then you become a Jedi, but all of the beloved characters in the movies that we know, like Anakin, now we have a Mandal- uh, Grogu from Mandalorian, they're not going about it the traditional ways, and, and, and so does that mean that they're not going to be good? I mean, I don't feel like Ahsoka got to finish, so I feel like we have these sort of hybrid middle-road Jedis. I could see that, um, because um, one thing that I learned in like some of my research is that there were only about 10,000... or. People mm-hmm. who were force sensitive enough to become Jedi's in the galaxy, mm-hmm. and so I suspect that, like, um, like when we remember when we read Tag and Bink in our Star Wars group, did were you? Part I of didn't that? read it. Okay, mm-hmm. so in that one, they like have um these two guys who are like force sensitive enough, but they don't really have the talent to be Jedi's, and they kind of and then they wind up like kind of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern like in all the right places at the wrong time or wrong places at the right mm-hmm. time, or something like that. So. It does make sense to me that there would be some some people who are like force sensitive, but not Jedi's. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to know more about Sabine and Ahsoka and their time. I do too. Together. So I'm hoping we'll get some flashbacks for that because that hasn't I haven't seen that before. And I, I was like, that's news to me. And what happened there? Like, yeah, like what's the history? What else did you think? Like, I'm so curious. I couldn't believe all the women. Like, yeah. it was just the women heavy. I and. Um... I couldn't believe Clancy Brown was in it. I was like very excited to see him and like, what does he play? Why did he get this amazing actor in this role? This has got to be something important. And so just because like I've seen him in um, Carnival, uh, he was like deliciously oh, wicked. Yes. It took me a minute. I was like, who's Clancy Brown? And I was like, I know the actor. I know him from um, yeah. the Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Yeah, he was uh, terrifying, um, and I remember terrifying in Carnival. He was terrifying. Yeah, he's in here. Why? What's the significance of this character? I start immediately reading into it because of who he is, and then what's going on with why did Sabine blow off going to that to be celebrated? There was this cool mural. She's like this graffiti artist, and then you Mm -hmm. know, um, just a total badass. And I just. I kept thinking when I was watching, I was like, my Star Wars, the guys in the Star Wars club are probably just losing their shit seeing all these badass hot women. Finally, like, it's a story about them, not some dude. Yeah. You know, but they would be excited about it. It's just, it's very exciting. Um, It's very exciting right now as a woman and a Star Wars fan to finally see this. Yeah. And I was really excited how we got to preview this at the end of the uh, Mandalorian when Luke shows up um, and gets Grogu. You remember that episode? Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, so, yeah. Yeah, like the whole fight. Uh, like, the women that was support. The women made that happen. The, the women, women made the that women. happen. And like, they didn't just like show like, oh, look, the, the girls are fighting. Oh, they like spent significant time showing them kicking ass and I was like oh yeah. oh okay thank you to whoever wrote this because this is lit and it really I think it really previewed how there just are incredible women in Star Wars and it's it kind of shows how and this is mostly because of where I'm at in my life you know I'm married with a child and I work full time you know and I 
fucking hate the patriarch, right? I see that all the time showing up and like with the, the expectations, I take care of the meals or I'm making mm-hmm. sure that like when my nanny runs out of a house, if there's a cleaning supply, my nanny thinks she needs, she never asked my husband. She always asked me like I'm in charge yeah. of that anyway. And I think Star Wars in that world, you don't see that there's this assumption that the woman is taking care of the man and it's all about the man. It's really about the person and uh, about the capability and so there is no like default homemaker or i like in the world of star wars i wonder what childcare looks like yeah you know because the woman isn't like when they're represented they're not like secretaries and yeah. you know they're sidekicks but so are men they are warriors they represent they are rep- you know they're doing just as much at, especially in mandalore yeah like what's their childcare model like that I want to know that. So that's the kind of stuff that I think about. And I love that you saw these powerful women with, with history, but success. And now they're going into this realm, this unknown, like what, what what's, what's happening now, you know, yeah. who is the villains, the, the two Jedi, the wise man. And then his creepy Ukrainian looking like she is scary. She's- Gary looking and she the, um, the way she looks mm-hmm. like, oh my god she's terrifying but yeah. it was like that intro when they start the show you're just like oh my god they're they're boarding and it had phantom menace vibes you know the Jedi oh, yeah. are gonna be there but you knew it was a bad guy you're like who are these bad guys and what is their story um that was incredible to see but she's terrifying and then they have that witch morgan yeah, I don't understand what her deal is, but like all these characters are women. Yeah, all the main characters are. I'm just I can't believe it, but yeah. yay! I'm super stoked for it too. Like my background is in feminist studies, and I really love seeing mm-hmm. women represented as con- active contributors to the story. Because you know, you heard me say this in our Star Wars yeah. group. I was like, women drive the narrative, either in front or from behind. But almost right. all stories are driven for some reason by women. Either right. it's revenge either against a woman oh, yeah. or the yeah. opposite of a woman or yeah. it's um romance or sex or lust like i don't know the... if i would say that for the original trilogy i wouldn't say that for star wars entirely yeah like, you know what I mean? yeah but, i mean that's kind of how historically a lot of women are presented in the original trilogy leia definitely had her contributions but at least in my upbringing those were overshadowed by the men you know right. well I felt that was a story about a family and, and the the original trilogy. Right. Uh-huh. I don't, but I, I don't know. I think it's, it was very man heavy. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of like, I feel like just the men were kind of what was most important. And a lot of that mm-hmm. has to do with how I was brought up. I was brought up to defer to the patriarchy, even though like, of course I take issue with it. Um, yeah. the religion I was brought up is like, you're meant to be very subservient. The most you can ever aspire to be is, a wife and a mother and I'm like that's not what I want I want more than no. that yeah I'm more than that I'm more than just and a baby maker yeah you're you could be an Ahsoka or a Sabine or yeah. a my, my mom like tried really hard to raise a domestic goddess and she ended up with kind of like a domestic terrorist my house is disgusting all the time like <laughs> So, I mean, and I I really like, I want to get back to what you said earlier about child rearing practices in, in the Star Wars universe, because you're absolutely right. We don't really see that. You don't see like the women saying, I got to go, I have to go deal with the child or like, it's just, it's not something that it's just, it's a world where people are doing these professions. They're going on these missions. They're going on these quests and family life is really you don't know and the thing about what's so one thing that's become clear to me as being a new mom has been that I've I've never really taken an interest in uh daycares or child care or how it works for women or leave until it I had to go through it and uh-oh technical difficulties my friends during this part of the podcast Amanda and I had a really interesting discussion about child rearing representation in Star Wars as well as how does a person become a Sith? What sorts of traumas and pains sort of lead to that? Um, when that audio is recovered, I will be releasing it as an outtake. But for now, we're going to skip ahead. 
And I think with Ahsoka, you're starting to see that good characters are dealing with trauma. And I don't know where that's going to take them in the long haul. Like, does it, does it make them turn evil? Mm-hmm. Is that the story? Um, I don't think so. Because I think even, you know, Luke experienced trauma. I think that trauma can be yeah. a point of entry into the dark side. Absolutely. Um, whether it's significant trauma or like cultural trauma, you know, I think about sort of the correlation between extremist thinking and the Sith and trauma and mm-hmm. how that produces those sorts of conditions. Um, mm-hmm. because both the Jedi and the Sith are extremists, but for different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for the Sith, like the, there are characters who experience trauma. Like you'll see Ezra has experienced really significant trauma in the last four, ep- mm-hmm. well, in his whole life, but you really see in the last four episodes and his temptation to the dark side and his call to the dark side and his active rejection and resistance of it. And it's interesting that Palpatine, I think really taps into people's traumas. Yeah. His manu Palpatine <laughs> and, I had a lot of views about Ray being a Palpatine. Like, did they really need to resort to nepotism to have her be a meaningful character? Like, it really pissed me off because I thought, oh, my God, here's a chance for the Star Wars universe. For anyone who comes from a family that they don't feel like they belong, you don't need to have a family connection to end up with something in life. And I think that that's what pissed me off about the Ray being a Palpatine. It's like, at the end of the day, well, you guys are only watching that she's special because she's actually a Palpatine. She's not a nobody. And I thought the nobody story was way more powerful than yeah. a Palpatine. It was just Nepotism like, oh, carrying all... a story, I think, ran out with after yeah, the first trilogy. Yeah, it was so cheap. It was really cheap what they did to Ray. Like, yeah. I liked the idea of her just being someone who was just a force user who right. like, intentionally, maybe intentionally or unintentionally was hit. Like maybe her parents were scared of her power. So they ditched her on Jakku, but I don't think yeah. that she needed to be a Palpatine for that. No, like, I love, really loved her relationship with Han Solo. Like yeah. when it was like this sort of fatherly, stepfatherly mentor I don't know like there was something going on there and I just was like god they really you know come on it was kind of a tender redemption arc for Han you know we don't see him eternal and we get to see that with them in that moment and we get to see how Mm -hmm. his it's his way of healing from the damage that he did with his relationship with his son yeah oh I understand I fucked up I can't make it right with my kid but I can make it right in this moment yeah, I was more into the, and I I hate there being a love story just because you see two people, they have to be together, right? If it's oh, a man and a woman, so now we have to have a couple. So I was like more on board with the Ben and Ray hookup connection than I was with Ray being a Palpatine. But it wasn't even the connection. It was like this almost, they sort of liked each other, but there was this weird, and the reason I wanted there to be something because it would validate her, it would give her something with Han Solo, like a you know, you'd see him in this other way. I know. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of, um, let's see, so the, in the first episode, I kind of just feel like... And Sabine got, like, ran through with a lightsaber. I thought that was it. I thought she was going to die. I was like, really? That you're going to do her like that? Well, I was like, I was like, the fuck? And I was like, wait a minute. She doesn't die because I know her hair is short the next time we see yeah, her. Yeah, and nobody... Yeah, I, I, I can't like, believe she... I really liked... The series, I'm really excited to see what they do with it. I am intrigued by the villains. The thing about the villains, what gets me about the villains here is if they're so bad and evil, do they trust each other? Like, how can they trust each other if they're just terrible people? So I don't know. Like, it makes me, like, I don't know. I don't know why anyone would choose. I don't know. It confuses me of, like... I, you know, they're going to do evil, they're going to do wrong, but could you trust this person? So why would you go with them? And why would you work with I them? I think it might be because even in, even in alliances, it's like, well, we can trust them 97%. And I think like mm-hmm. that 2% of Dow always tries to keep them on their toes. I don't think it's necessarily trust that gets people betrayed. I think it's complacency. When people start getting like sloppy and lazy, then people who are more powerful are like, oh, I can take advantage of them because they're not minding their shit. Does that make sense? I No, I guess I'm just wondering the master and apprentice relationship in the Sith. Like how, 
those two, they know that they can have each other's back. Maybe it's the shared just hatred of the Jedi. You know, they have a mutual enemy. It's a shared enemy and also a shared commitment to the, the way of the Sith. I think That's it's like I think it would be story, like something but, like yeah. uh, I'd equate it to, and maybe you can speak to this because you actually have direct experience. Would it be something similar in like the military of like this is the person that I know I that like we're in the same mission, we're on the same, right. um, we have the same training, we have this, we have that, we're committed mm-hmm. to this particular, protecting this particular idea or value, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so through that shared commitment feeling like they can they still need to work together and trust each other to maintain that but i don't know i've not served in the military and you have so what do you think about that i think for me to the when to deploy with another person there's i there's this criteria it's not a way to judge people but it's sort of like you know you're gonna have to deploy with them you're gonna have to go to war with them can Mm -hmm. i trust that you have my back and so i want someone who is trustworthy who is honest and who won't take shortcuts. Mm-hmm. And I, though that's kind of it, my Christ, that's all I want, because I want to know that you're not going to leave me hanging. You're not going to leave someone else hanging and that you're going to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard because you do see um, people go in the military for different reasons. Yeah. And so people could go into the Jedi. I don't know. I, I think they all would share a similar reason, but why people would, go to be a Sith I don't know um and so it just depends that that's really why you're that's what you're looking for in the other person but how your behavior ends up really depends on the situation you're in you know most of the most of my deployments was I was in the Navy so it was on a ship and you're just kind of hanging out and seeing the action happen on CNN you know from the (laughs) from the aircraft carrier um or from a helicopter but you're not really in the thick of it you're kind of just hanging out by the ship so, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think that answered your question, but no, I mean, I just wanted to hear your experience on that. Like that absolutely answers my question. Cause what I'm, <laughs> I'm also hearing is that your criteria was also like the integrity of someone, like what is their integrity? The most important thing. Yeah. And yeah. integrity, I think looks different. Uh, well, I think it, yeah. there's lots of evidence to support this of like, it looks different in the Jedi than it does from the Sith. Exactly. And I'm wondering That's exactly if, right. these villains, it ta- maybe it takes them longer to trust. And you always ha- we always have to think about also the age disparity usually between masters mm-hmm. and Padawans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Padawans are almost always younger and molded mm-hmm. from a very young age to become whatever mm-hmm. they're expected to be. Um, and getting back to our discussion earlier about trauma, if a person has experienced trauma and they're looking for something to provide meaning and validity for their existence, they're going to latch on mm-hmm. to whatever that is. Um, and it may take a while for them to discover that like, that's not actually who they want to be, or they might not ever get to that point. You right. know, there might be people who lean deeper and deeper into it. And uh, when I say that, I'm thinking of a Darth Maul. Yeah. Like talk about trauma homeboy got cut in half like he had robotic legs he was oh a leader in dawn for a minute so like that was cool but... hang on wait darth maul lives past when he gets cut in half yeah sorry did you not know that no i yeah, thought that was he it he died in the phantom menace uh-uh. okay that's kind Tyler. of crazy darth maul didn't... oh no that's okay no nope. that's cool i love that that's we meet up with him again in the clone wars uh, he appears quite a bit there, and we also see him again in Rebels. He tries to recruit Ezra as his apprentice because he's trying to open up a Sith temple, and it takes a master and an apprentice. He also tries to recruit Ahsoka after she captures him, and he's she's like, "Nah, bro, I'm good." <laughs> like, but she releases him as a diversion because Order sixty six happened, and all the clones on the ship that she was on were hunting her, so she released Maul so that they would hunt him, or like divide the forces or whatever. Yeah. This is in the last season of Clone Wars. Okay. Yeah, I missed it. I gotta have Um, to watch that too. There's, there's so, like, Clone Wars is really long. And if I'm honest, I know. I don't think it gets super good until season two. Um, The only reason I say that is because when I, it took me a couple of years to really get it because I would try to binge it. Yeah. Season, I have to remember it was made for kids. It came out on afternoon cartoons. 
there was just really intense battles every episode. And after about mm-hmm. seven episodes, I'd be like, I don't want to watch this anymore. I'm a fatigue. Yeah, that's exactly um, how why I didn't get into it. Oh. Yeah, I would start at season two. That's when they start doing um, three episode story arcs. Mm-hmm. And there's some really good stuff. Like you see Anakin meeting, he meets Tarkin and he helps Tarkin escape. This is before, this is before the Empire. It's really cool. Okay. So, did the Clone Wars or Rebels explain the backstory between Ahsoka and Sabine? Um, not, not their master Padawan relationship. It ex- okay. like, you so you like, are intrigued. So it's new to you to see yeah, whatever. I have friction. no idea what that is. I'm really excited to see it. Yeah. I have no idea. Um, it, that's going to be new to everyone. And so I'm really excited for that because mm-hmm. I love Sabine. She is very passionate. Um, mm-hmm. she's just a badass, and like, so is Hera. Hera I, they're all badasses. Um, yeah, so I'm curious to see, you know, Hera hinted at, um, why she thought Sabine and Ahsoka worked together so well. You remember, she says, you're both difficult. Yeah. And I was like, that might've been a thing. And maybe, and maybe Ahsoka walked away from Sabine because Ahsoka recognized that she wasn't ready to be a master and she was doing more harm than good. I wonder if that's something that they'll explore. Yeah. I don't know. but. Sabine, yeah, was very, very close to Ezra, and his loss was very devastating to her. Like, in the first few, um, at least the first season of Rebels, like, Ezra lets it be known he has a little bit of a crush on Sabine, and she's like, mm-hmm. no, no. Is, so is there something there? Because I felt like from there might be with the way she was, like, longing for him, but then he says a comment in the hologram that he thinks of her as a sister. Yeah. Uh, no, there's no romantic context. At I, and if I remember, no romantic storyline between them ever. It really was very much like a sibling relationship. It eventually became that because... She didn't attend the ceremony because she just miss, she missed her friends. Because like at that point, everyone's gone. Like Hera's off somewhere. Ahsoka's somewhere. Sabine's living in this like tower by herself with just her cat. Which yeah. the whole, that is so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> that is a cute. Yeah, they are cute. I was like, I didn't. I I wondered what they were going to look like in live action, and I remember seeing them in the Mandalorian. Um, uh, but I was just like, oh my gosh, a um, domesticated one is so cute. Where did the end of the second episode? Where did we end up? She they lost the map. They lost the map. Um, Morgan and the two Sith, whose names I cannot remember, but I know what their names remember. mean. Yeah. And uh, they figured out where Thrawn was. And then we end with Ahsoka and picking up Sabine at the mural. What's also cool is that's almost shot for shot the same last sequence of the last episode of Rebels. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, this is where it picks up. So that's kind of an Easter egg for fans that I wasn't aware of. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I only just watched it, so. But um, you were asking about Thrawn. Yeah. What do you want to know about Thrawn? Uh, I know a little bit about him because I've been reading the books while listening to the books. Why is he, why is he banished or what's, what's his deal? So he got sucked through a portal, I'm pretty sure. Um. But how he came into the Empire is he he's a member of this alien species called the Chiss, blue, blue skin, mm-hmm. red eyes. Um, they live outside of the galaxy. They're one of the neighboring galaxies to where the Star Wars universe takes place. On the other side of their border is also this alien race that's really, really like malicious. And I would I would use the word barbaric is how they describe it. And that alien race is completely immune to the force they can't be manipulated by the force the force like weapons that use the force can't be used against them and there's this suspicion that chiss space which is in between them the chiss are trying to keep those barbarians from conquering them and the galaxy um, where the star wars universe takes place which is a big long tangent to get around to the fact that thrawn was strategically placed into a position where he could infiltrate the empire and rise through the ranks. 
Thrawn is a brilliant mm-hmm. tactician, um, but he's not liked in the Empire for two reasons. Number one, because he's non-human. He's Chiss. And if you look at the you look at the hiring ranks of the Empire, they're all humans. They're all white guys. Most of them. I think we mm-hmm. they've got a few flecks of color in there as the years went by. But um so they're all human. And then he rises really, really quickly. And he does become a pet in a way to Emperor Palpatine. Now, now in addition to being a dr- brilliant tactician, uh, Thrawn also collects and studies art as a way to understand the values and tactics of, of the people whose art he took. It's really interesting. So he studies yeah. really holistically. Um, when you watch Rebels, he kind of comes across as an asshole. I remember when I first met him, I was like, who is this guy? He's real cocky and like, I don't like him. And you're not supposed to. But in the in the books, you figure out that even among his own people, Thrawn was considered kind of weird. He's a brilliant musician. Yeah. He can do all these things. Yeah. Politically, homeboy can't. He can't hang. Right. And he says things unintentionally that upset other people. But he can mm-hmm. outmaneuver pretty much anyone. Which is why in the last episode of Rebels, it appears as though he was outmaneuvered by Ezra. But I have to wonder, even if he was outmaneuvered by Ezra, how is he communicating with Morgan across time and space? Um, And I was talking to someone last night about this, and they brought up a good point of through his study of artworks and artifacts and Jedi and Sith texts, he can probably locate or utilize um, Force-sensitive beings in some way to call out to Morgan. So I'm excited to see what happens. But one of the theories is that the reason he came into the Empire was to keep that a- that really, really horrible alien race at bay. But mm-hmm. I don't know. There's still, there's still a lot of books about Thrawn I haven't read yet. Where, where is this season going to go, do you think? I don't know. And that's great. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm excited to, I'm excited to see where it takes us. Um, one of the things that I really, really like about Ahsoka and Rebels is that it shows just kind of what you said earlier, a lot of just regular people who aren't super force sensitive standing up against yeah. people yeah. who've been hurt by the empire, people who didn't want mm-hmm. to become rebels, but did. Um, yeah, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think badass women, badass women, because even Morgan Elsbeth is a badass, and like, yeah, I mean, even the even the villains, like yeah. the creepy uh, Padawan, the creepy Sith Padawan, she yeah. is so eerie. She's so creepy. And the only other thing I've seen her in is the Spy Who Shagged Me. I don't know if you ever saw that movie with Mila Kunis and oh gosh, the gorgeous blonde from SNL, Kate McKinnon. Uh-uh. Uh, it's a it's a comedy. It's a spoof on a comedy. Anyways, she played this terrifying gymnast assassin, who like she looks was, like it. She was so terrifying. I was like, I don't know who that Perfect. is. Perfect, scary. Um, and I think she's produced some other things, but she's it, you know the casting is brilliant because even her master, like he's not attractive when he smiles. <laughs> I thought he was a really attractive dude. I was like, you're an attractive older man with a good beard and like. You got this mm-hmm. calm demeanor and like you look emotionally inaccessible. So I'm totally attracted to you. Uh, and, <laughs> and, but when I looked up the actress picture and I see him smiling, I was like, mm, I don't like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just really well cast. Really well cast. Even Ahsoka, she wasn't like, that was a fan thing, right? Didn't fans say? They, they did push for Rosario. it. Rosario. Yeah, and I was glad that she got it because I think she's great as Ahsoka and she's talked about her commitment to giving a really authentic performance and being as physical as possible and doing as much of her own stunts as possible Mm -hmm. and yeah Mm -hmm. she really committed to the character and I think she's done it justice Mm -hmm. and I I like her Sabine as well I was really pissed that Sabine took that freaking map by the way like oh same 
I was like, like we all knew it was gonna happen, but bitch, we all did knew you that that was to? it. You had to have a story. We needed it to move the story along, but come yeah. on, you have to take it to your place and yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and I'm just straight up like, I was like, girl, like this isn't your first time to the rodeo. Yeah, she could have asked Ahsoka, like, I need to study this blah, 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 and had Ahsoka with her. Like, she could have at least, like, had another layer of protection instead of just trying to break the rules. I mean, I knew that something bad was going to happen, you know, mm-hmm. and she loses the map. And so now I'm like, well, where does the story go now? Because it's not just like, when we think of problems here on Earth, right, it's a big planet, but these are like multiple planets. How... Mm-hmm. I don't even know how the story is going to move along now. Where would anyone go? So it's very, there's got to be something that they're going to figure out. Maybe there's a piece that holds uh, an element of a clue from when she did her investigation. And then now we'll have some direction. But like out of a multiverse of, you know, Star Wars planets everywhere, where, how do you narrow that down? Like, where do you start your search? Yeah, I don't, well, I mean... I actually think that we get clues in the end credits, the animations of the end credits. And from what I can Mm -hmm. tell, there's six lines that are all trying to get to Thrawn. Like if you go back and watch the end credits, like you see like these lines coming off and like, Mm -hmm. like they're traversing this galaxy. Mm -hmm. And I suspect that's going to be the storyline of several of our characters. And it looks as though that, and I counted and I could be wrong. But it looks as though there's six lines that sort of converge almost simultaneously on Thrawn's location. But I don't, I don't know if that's actually true. I don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah. So, so we don't know. We don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to see the next episode. I'm. I was very. I. I watched it and I and I just got all excited seeing all the badassness and the different women characters. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, we live in a day where we see the hero of a science fiction isn't a boy. Like it's it, it's a bunch of women, and yeah, and we can, I think we that's can really, really cool. Dave Filoni and Ashley Eckstein for that. Um, so yeah, we're not just at home taking care of the kids while you go make the media. Yeah. Like this, and is, it's we deserve our comeuppance, you know. And as I'm right. just more and more about the Star Wars like universe for this podcast, I'm learning about all these women who we've never heard of before like did you know marcia lucas george lucas's ex-wife you know she won an academy award for her editing she edited the fight sequence at the end of a new that was all her and i'm like i don't know what gag order you got in your divorce settlement but i need to know your story well, it's coming up on an hour, and I want to be. I know I have to get going. I've loved getting to chat with you. Yes, thank you for getting me out of childcare. Of course, I'm as you should take your breaks. Um, thank you very much, Amanda, and thank you for joining me. And you, I will have you back if you'd like to come back. Have me back. Yeah. This is the way, and this Sarah. Is the way. All right. May the force. Be May with the force you. be with you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Mwah. Bye. Thank you for joining me today on the Women of Star Wars podcast. I hope that you enjoyed your time here. I certainly enjoyed having you. Be sure to give us a follow on Instagram at Women of Star Wars podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast available on Spotify. New episodes drop each Friday. Want to share your Star Wars story? Send your Star Wars story to Women of Star Wars podcast at gmail.com with the subject line Star Wars story. Share a favorite Star Wars memory or experience or your favorite female character. Again, that's Women of Star Wars podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for your time. Until next week, my name is Sarah Sindula, and may the Force be with you.